story. It said it was a typical hot summer uh, day in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, Joe Delaney and his eight-year-old son Jared were in the backyard. They were they were playing catch, and as they tossed the ball back and forth to one another, they talked about just just a number of different topics. A number of different things came to their their minds that they talked about. But but Joe could tell there was something bothering his son. You could just tell there was something on his mind. And finally, after a while, as after he caught the ball and started to throw, Jared held it and and, and said this to his dad. He said, "Dad." Is there a God? Uh, obviously, this caught Joe totally and completely off guard, and, and he wasn't quite sure how to answer. He started to, started to give some kind of trite answer, but then he just decided not to, and he simply just said, son, I don't know. So then Jared asked him another question. He said, if there is a God, how would you know him? Again, he thought for a little bit. He said, well, Jared, I, I, I don't know. I only went to church a couple times when I was a kid, so... So I just don't know much about those kinds of things. And, and, and they continued to toss the ball a little bit. Jared, deep in thought, finally stopped and said, hang on a second, Dad, I'll be right back. And he ran into the house. And when he came out, he came out of the house with a Mylar balloon that they'd got the night before at the circus and, and some tape and an ink pen and a, an index card in his hand. And, and, and as he got out, he hollered to his dad, said, Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a note to God and I'm going to send him a message. Joe said he, 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 his first thought was to, to think and to say, well, that's foolish, but, uh, but he didn't want to dampen his son's, uh, son's enthusiasm. So, so he wrote out the message, and the message said this, Dear God, if you're real, if you're out there, send someone who knows you to Dad and me. Uh, Jared let the balloon go, and, and for, for a couple moments, he and his dad stood there watching as the, the, the balloon went up in the air. He said it was two days later, and Shorgan, as he tells his story, said this, this is where he entered into the story. He said it was two days later, and his church there in Cincinnati was having a car wash as, a, uh, as an outreach to just let people know about Jesus and, and encourage them. And so it was one Saturday morning, it was warm, and, and, uh, and, and Jared, uh, with his dad Joe, stumbled upon this car wash. So as they pulled up, Shorgan said he, he greeted him and and he, and he asked him, Joe asked us, well, how much is the car wash? And, and Sorghum said, it's, it's free. And, and, of course, he answered, well, well, why are you doing this? Why are you doing cars for free? And Sorghum made this answer, gave this answer. He said, we just want to show God's love in a practical way. So he thought about that for a second. And, and then Joe and, or asked this question, said, said, wait a minute, are you guys Christians? Uh, and Sorghum said, well, yes, we're Christians. Then he said, are you the kind of Christians who believe in God? Shorgan said, I, I, I thought, well, are there any other kind, really? But he said, yes, we are. Then Joe began to tell the story about what had happened two days before. And then he said, I guess you're the answer to one of the strangest prayers that God has ever received. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, Paul tells us that, that we are to love. Uh, he, he talks about the love that we're to have as Christians. He talks about the love that's to be in our hearts because we know Jesus. He talks about the manifestation of that God love, that agape love, and, and he tells us about that love he had for us when he sent his son, Jesus. And he tells about the love that the son had for us when he interacted with people, when he touched people, when he saw people, and then ultimately when he went to the cross. And one of the ways he describes that kind of love is this. 
One of the ways he fleshes it out and gives, gives some life to it is to describe it this way. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to go ahead and read the first four verses, or at least partway through verse 4, and we'll see that, that descriptor today, that love is kind. If, if I speak in the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and, cannot fa- and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Quick question here. Quick question. When Paul says in, in verse 4 that love is kind, uh, did he pull back a curtain that that offered some new information about love that you never considered? Had you ever thought about that love is kind? Well, who knew? Did did Paul offer some new revelation that only those of us lucky enough to stumble upon 1 Corinthians 13 were able to figure out? Love is kind. Well, well, that's brand new information. Or Or did Paul crack open a new concept that's going to revolution revolutionize the way we think love is kind man that's going to change everything Uh, my guess is that when paul used that descriptor kind that none of you went boom my mind blown none of you scrambled to underline that in your bible i i doubt that you took your highlighter and said man i've got to i've got to remember that that love is kind in fact last week i mentioned that i would be preaching on this today and, and I didn't get any feedback whatsoever from any of you saying, man, I can't wait till next week's sermon. That is, I, I can't wait to figure out how love is kind. None of you said, I'm going to invite my family, my friends, my coworkers, because they've got to hear this cutting edge message. Here's the truth. Love is kind. Yeah. Love, love is kind. Well, of, of course it is. Love is kind. Well, I already knew that. So if we already know that, if we're already pretty well aware of the fact, if, if that's really not anything new, not anything exciting, not anything cutting edge, if, if, if that's something we're already aware of, then, then, then why talk about it? More importantly, I guess I would say, why did Paul put that by inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Why, why, did, why did Paul put that here? Uh, I guess there's something he wants to get. There's some takeaway. So let's let's see if we can't figure some of that out. Maybe maybe a little bit hint, a little bit of a hint into the meaning of the word comes from from the Greek word that is translated kindness. It's Christuomai, and and it has a has a bunch of different ways that it's used. Uh, it, it can mean good. It can mean pleasant. It can mean gracious. And, and I like this one. I'll talk about it here a little bit more uh, in a second. It can mean serviceable. In, in fact, in Matthew chapter 11, some of you are going to know these verses. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, he uses that same word, but it's translated differently there. Uh, in Matthew 11, I'll give you the whole context, 28 to 30. Uh, this is what Jesus says. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn. Uh, on you and learn from me for i'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is and and here's that word christ you am i for my yoke is easy my yoke is kind and my burden is light uh 
what opens up to us here is that love that love is to be easy now not not in the sense that it's not hard cuz cuz loving like Christ sometimes is difficult for us but it is to be easy for others our our loving them with kindness makes their life easy it light, lightens the burden on their life it is to be serviceable uh, now, I realize that word serviceable sounds a little bit generic or a little bit workmanlike. We, we tend to want to think of kindness in more of a jovial, celebratory, uh, gentle, gentle smile on your face kind of way. But in reality, I wonder, I wonder if kindness isn't a little bit more workman, isn't a little bit more like pick up your, work pail, your lunch pail and get to work kind of application. So, so let's look this morning at three things that, that we kind of get from this this word, this idea, this application, love is kind. Here's the first thing that I think we have to figure out, that love uh, that, that is kind has to be planned. It has to be planned. One of the things that you're going to notice, if you haven't already, which I, I figure you probably have, is that some of the attributes of agape love, some of the things that we've talked about already and we'll talk about more in the future, some of the attributes of agape love are are going to come more naturally to some people than they do to others. Last week we talked about that, that love is patient, and, and certainly being patient is easier for some people than it is others. I, I pointed out, my wife would be glad to, to uh, reiterate that fact, that patience is not a natural gift that I have. Even though the fruit of the Spirit says it's supposed to be one of mine, and, and agape love says I'm supposed to, it doesn't come natural to me. It's a little bit harder for me. So, so you're going to see that for some people, just like patience, kindness just comes as who they are. It's part of what makes them up. I, and, and as I was thinking about this, I was trying to think of someone, I was trying to come up with some examples in my mind of people who were kind, and, and that's just who they are. That's their nature. And, and quite honestly, I, I came up with several, I, uh, several people that, that popped in my head, people that I've known throughout the years and several people here in the church. But, but I wanted to get real personal. I thought of one person in particular here in the church, and I thought of uh, I thought of Rosa Madison, and her, her grandson said I'm supposed to point at her, so she's back there, uh, about midway on that side. I thought of Rosa Madison when I thought of kindness. Rosa is one of the kind, and if you don't know her, I'm gonna have, Rosa come on up. No, I won't do that to you. But but if you haven't met her, meet her, and I, 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 you're gonna come away thinking she is one of the kindest people I know. She always has a smile on her face, always has a positive outlook. She's always has a kind word to share. Uh, it's like when God was putting her together. And we know that God does that. Uh, uh, Psalms tells us that we are, we are knit together in our mother's wounds and, and we are known and he's putting us together. So it's almost like when God was putting Rosa together, he was pouring in a little bit of kindness and one of the angels bumped him and he dumped in a whole, whole bunch of extra kindness. And so so got to the end and she was almost full and it came time to give her her height and only had just a little bit to give her. Uh, sorry, Rosa, uh, but, 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 but for her kindness, it just seems like who she is. So, so Rosa, work on your grocery list because you don't really need to listen to any of the rest of the sermon because it comes natural to someone like her. And, and there's others of you that, that this fits, but for some of us, for some of us, kindness is not our gift. It's not natural. It's, it's not our default. So we have to plan to be kind. Now, remember that Paul is talking here about agape love. 
Agape love is not a love of the heart. Now, now let me fill that out in your notes. Let me, let me just throw something here. I, I, don't take that too serious because love, we, we think of love as sinners are heart, and, and so that's okay to feel that way. But, but here's the reality. Love is not a love of the heart. It's not a warm fuzzy. Agape love is a love of the head. It's a love of choice. Agape love is, is a love that we have to decide that we're going to have. So, so can I say this? Can I point out the obvious, church? If we're called to be followers of Christ, if we're called to be believers in Jesus, if we're called to be like Jesus and live like Jesus, then, then aren't we called to love like Jesus? Over in 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. This is how we know what love is. So, so hey, what's this love all about? Love is patient, love is... What's it about? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Uh, one chapter over, First John chapter 4, 7 through 11, says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, from, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son, and his one and only son, into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So Paul says that, Agape love, the the love that we're supposed to have is kind. So church, are we kind? Do do people do people come into this fellowship? Do people come in contact with us as as the church? Do do they interact with us and feel like their life is made easier because we are kind? Do do they come in contact with us and, and see a serviceable, a, 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 a actual working way of being, being uh, loving that makes sense to them? Now, let me make this just a little bit more pinpointed, a little bit more personal. Pretend that I'm talking only to you, uh, and I'm talking to myself first. Are you kind? Are you kind? Does Christ's love in you produce kindness? See, I, I fear sometimes in the church, some of us might say that kindness is not our gift. That, that would be me. That, that's not my default. Uh, we might say kindness is not my gift. It doesn't come natural to me. It's not easy for me. So, so then we expect a free pass. We expect a get-out-of-jail-free card. And to that, I would say, and you can write this down if you want. This really, this is good. This is inspirational. inspirational. If we think that, to, to that, I would say hogwash. It may not be easy. So we have to plan to be kind. We have to plan to be kind. The, the reality is, and some of us that have been in the church a long time, we can look back and whether we've experienced it uh, at this church or other churches we've attended or churches that we're aware of, every time a church has a, has a conflict, every time a church butts head with each other, every time a church has split and had, had controversy in the church, if just a few people, and, and usually that few were people in leadership, but if just a few people would have only allowed love to produce kindness, 
almost every time the tension would have been diffused and life would have gone on much easier. We have to plan to be kind. So if you find yourself not being kind, if you find yourself, if we find ourselves not being kind, maybe, maybe just maybe it's because we have made the choice to choose not to be kind. See, church, kindness for most of us has to be planned. We have to decide that we're going to be kind. So when he says love is kind, that's got to be a choice. We have to plan it. The second thing we have to do is we have to pick. Kindness has to be picked. So, so kindness has to be planned. We have to make a decision to show kindness. Then, then, then the reality is we have to pick where and with whom we're going to practice kindness. Now, now there's, a, there's dozens of applications. There are a lot of different ways I could go here, but I'm just going to point out three different things that I'd like to challenge you to pick to be kind. And here's one of them. We need to be kind in our families. Now, now this might be the easiest, and yet for some of us at some times, the hardest place for us to be kind. Now, does anyone disagree with this statement? If you do, feel free to raise your hand. Does anyone disagree with this statement that God calls us to love our families? Show of hands. Anyone disagree with that? God calls us to love our families. Now, let me add the, the qualifier. God calls us to love our families with agape love. Anyone disagree with that? God calls us to love our families with a love of choice. Agape love is a love of choice, so it's planned. If we are to love our families with agape love, then agape love is kind. So then we have to plan to pick our families to be kind to. Now now let me fine-tune that just a little bit. Uh, this may seem so elementary that, that you wonder why I'm bringing it up, but, but uh, indulge me. We, we need to choose to be kind, show kindness with our children. Parents, you need to, be, you, you need to choose to be kind to your kids. Now, now I noticed a couple ears poke, perked up there from some kids. They're like, Ooh, parents are supposed to be kind. And, and I know where you're going with this, kids. I know what you're thinking. I'm one step ahead of you. I, I, I had raised four kids, and I got a bunch of grandkids. I know where you're going. I was a kid one time. I know it's been a long time ago. But I was a kid. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, my parents are supposed to be kind. So you're thinking next time you blow it, next time you come home with all Ds on the report card, and your mom says, your phone, I'm taking it, your Xbox is, is unplugged, you're grounded for a month. I, I know what you're thinking. Kids, you're going to say, but Pastor Tim said, you're supposed to be kind to me. Now, now I, I don't want you to misunderstand because Scripture also says, I think this maybe trumps it, Scripture tells parents, commands parents to discipline their children. In fact, Scripture tells us that if we don't discipline our kids, we don't love them. So discipline, kids, catch this. It stinks, doesn't it? Discipline is an act of love. And some of you are thinking, I must really be loved. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says this, Fathers, uh, and, and, and that could be fathers, mothers, both. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Exasperate is translated, in the King James Version, is, is translated provoke. That word has the idea of pushing or knocking down into anger. So, so dads, moms, don't, 
push your kids down into anger. Sometimes, and I, I only say this because I, I'm a parent, and I, I only say this because it was true of me sometimes when my kids were little and we were in the raising age with them. Sometimes as parents, we think it's okay. We think it's all right to not choose kindness. We think it's okay to say hurtful things to our kids. I'm not talking about discipline. I'm not talking about bringing them up in the structure. Sometimes we think we can be rude to our kids and say the meanest things because we're mom and dad, it's okay. Can, can I just ask this? Can you pick? Can you pick your kids? Can you choose your kids to be kind to? going to take a plan plan to be kind and pick them I, I i think we need to pick our spouse now now i i am a husband so i can only speak from this standpoint in fact ladies i'm only going to speak from this standpoint so i'm going to give you a pass if you want to make an application here for yourself go right ahead but i'm only going to talk to husbands here today ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says this husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Does anyone want to take a stab at what Greek word Paul uses when he says, husbands, love your wives? Anyone want to guess? Agape. He, he, now, certainly it, it applies to have eros and phleo and storge, all those others. But Paul says that, that husbands are to love with agape love, a love of choice. We are to choose to love our wives. And, and then he qualifies it a little bit more. And, and he says like this, if you don't know what that means, if you can't figure out, okay, what, what's he talking about? How does, that, how does that apply? Then he says, okay, do it like Jesus loved the church. And we know what Jesus did. He died for the church. Uh, it, it, husbands for us, needs to be planned. We have to plan to be kind to our wives. Now, now I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of do it this way, this way. You're going to figure that out for yourself, but we have to plan just like Jesus. And, and here's the reality. Jesus, Jesus showed kindness. One, one time Jesus was, was preaching and he was, he was in a house and there were people all around him and he was, he was probably talking about God's love and, and suddenly the, the roof above him started to peel open and mud and sticks started to fall down and some guys were dropping down a guy that was a paralytic, dropping him down. Now Jesus could have, could have stopped them in their tracks and said, guys, quit it. I'm talking about God's love. I'm trying to tell people what God's love is about. Would you leave that alone? I'll talk to you later. He could have done that, but he didn't. Instead, he stopped his, his sermon, and, and he saw the real need the guy had, and he said, he said to the guy, your sins are forgiven. And, and the four guys that dropped him down thinking, that's not why we brought him. <laughs> but, but your sins are forgiven. Everyone's freaked out over that, and so Jesus said, okay, hey, pick up your mat. And, and, and walk and he healed him he showed kindness another time jesus was in a crowd of people and, and again he was talking as he walked and and a lady came up to him and she had a flow of blood which which meant that she was ceremonially this doesn't mean much to us but it did to them ceremonially unclean because she had a flow of blood and so anything and anyone she touched became ceremonially unclean as well and and as Jesus walked by, she reached out and grabbed the hem of his robe. And Jesus felt the, actually the scripture says he felt the power leave him and, and said, who, who did that? But Jesus could have turned around and looked at her and said, my goodness, woman, don't you know what you just did? I'm unclean now. 
I, I, I was talking about God's love, but I'm going to have to stop and go make a sacrifice and present myself to the priest to, to do everything the law calls for me to be clean again. Woman, you just made me unclean. But no, that's not what he did. He was kind, and he healed her. Another time, a, a man with uh, leprosy came up to Jesus, and, and instead of approaching Jesus, shouting unclean, unclean like he should have, he, he dropped at Jesus' feet and said, if you, if you will, you can, you can heal me. If you choose to, you can heal me. And, and Jesus didn't say, get away from me, dude. He, was, he didn't turn away in disgust. Instead, he stopped and reached down and touched the man and healed him. It, it's, it, it's not hard to look at Scripture and see that Jesus was kind, that his love demonstrated kindness. Husbands, husbands, we're called to love that way. We're called to love that way. Can, can I ask you to pick your wives? So we need to pick, pick our families. Take, take, you can run with that a lot of different ways. We need to, we need to pick our church. We need to pick uh, the ones in our church. When the church is working correctly, we are family. And just as earthly families sometimes butt heads and earthly families sometimes have struggles and earthly families sometimes you know, have, have conflict, we're going to have that in the church as well. But earthly families stick together and, and, and church, we are called to pick one another. We are called to show kindness to each other. Ephesians 4 29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk, he's not just talking dirty words here, he's talking anything that tears down, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit all who listen. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.12-14, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievance you have against one another. In Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Church, we are called to pick. We are called to pick the church to be kind. And finally, and I guess maybe this kind of just about covers the whole round, we're called, to, we're called to be kind to the world, to show kindness in our world. Just, just as we're called to be kind in the church, we are called to be kind to people outside the church in the world. Colossians 4, 5 says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Be wise in the way you act towards people outside the church. Make the most of every opportunity. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Church, you may not agree with me. It's okay, I might be wrong on this. You may not agree with me, but I believe this. I believe we are called in a world that may offend us. And listen here, we're called in a world that may offend us, in a world that may live opposite of our values. We're called even in a world that may judge and condemn us to show kindness. I, I, I wonder in the church if, if it, it, it appears to us that it's growing increasingly easier for us to see the difference between right and wrong 
between good and evil. And then because of our perceived clarity of thought, to draw a line in the sand. And here's what happened. Because we, we see so clearly, we draw this line in the sand, and we're on one side of the line, and the world and its thoughts and its beliefs and its attitudes and its actions are on the other side of the line. But I fear that we take kindness oftentimes. We take kindness and we toss it aside. We throw it to the wind and, and we trample on it in the name of rightness. We, we think that being right is more important than being con- kind. Now, now, don't misunderstand, church. This is, and this is where it gets, gets really complicated. It's really tough. We have to stand up for what is right. We have to speak against evil. We have to be like Jesus. Jesus told the woman that was caught in, a, in adultery, he told her, go and sin no more. We have to be willing to stand against evil. And when we do, it's going to put us at odds with the world. But, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he said in Luke 23, 34, as they were throwing insults, they were hurling blasphemies at him, as they were crucifying, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Jesus, in the face of unspeakable evil, unspeakable things was able to show kindness so church if we lose kindness even in the face of things we abhor even in the face of a world celebrating things that we know are evil if we lose kindness even when kindness is not shown to us then we are not loving like jesus loved we have to somehow, I don't have answers to this. I really wish I could give you one, two, three on this. But somehow we have to figure out how to be right and kind at the same time. Somehow we have to figure out how to be right, to stand on truth, and yet, and yet not use that as, as, as a, a club to beat people with, but to be kind like Jesus was. Sometimes we think being right is more important But I remind you of the words that Paul said as he set up this chapter. And now I will show you the most excellent way. We have to plan to be kind. We have to pick who we're going to be kind to. And then finally, and I'll finish with this, we we have to realize that kindness has to be practiced. It's not enough just to to plan and realize that I've got to choose to be kind. I've got to try to do better at that and then, you know, hey, this is where I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in my family. I'm going to do it in the church. I'm going to, I'm going to pick my coworker that bugs me. I, it's not just enough to do that. We have to then actually practice it. Uh, I, I talked earlier about Steve Sorgan. He says this in his book, Conspiracy with Kindness. Whenever people see the love of God in action, a hot button is touched deep inside them. I'm convinced they feel God's presence and see that he's real, even though they usually don't know how to respond. Mother Teresa said, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their, but their echoes are truly endless. What God is calling us to kindness is not easy. It's not easy, and for some of us, it doesn't come natural. So you have to plan it. You have to pick it. You have to practice it. G.K. Chesterton said, the Christian ideal 
has not been tried and found has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to be kind in a world that calls us to be other things. But if we love like Jesus, if we love like Jesus, we'll be kind. In conclusion, band, you can come on up. Ralph and Imogene Watson, back in the 60s through the 80s, lived in uh, a neighborhood in south central L.A., not, not, not far from the infamous Watts neighborhood. In fact, when they moved into their new house back in the early 60s, it was an idyllic area of, of Los Angeles. Beautiful little houses on quiet, uh, quiet streets, families coming together and building their homes and their lives and building their neighborhoods. But, but slowly things began to change. You didn't notice it at first, but slowly some of the rougher neighborhoods started getting closer and closer to their neighborhood and then one and then another and then pretty soon it was two or three and then four and five did what sociologists would call white flight. They, they sold their houses, they left their neighborhood and, and moved to somewhere far away from there. In fact, the, churches, the church that Ralph and Imogene attended did the same thing. They sold their building and, and relocated to a safer, nicer part of town. But Ralph and Imogene chose to stay. It was three or four families, then it was two or three, and then it was just them. They, they were the only family on their block in their whole neighborhood that looked like them. They were the only white people left in their neighborhood. Their, their friends at church can talk to them and try to convince them to move. Their, their children who were adults and had moved away themselves had, had said, Mom, Dad, sell your house and move to a nicer part of town. But, but they chose to stay, and, and then they chose to make it their ministry. And so, so every day after, after Ralph had retired, every day Ralph and Imogene would cook, or Imogene would bake some cookies, and they would, they would go out on the porch and, and all these neighborhood children would just show up. They, they, I don't know if they just knew the time or if they smelled the cookies baking or what, but, but they would show up and congregate in their yard and congregate on their front porch and eat cookies and drink milk, or if it was a hot summer day, they would drink lemonade with their cookies. And, and Ralph began to become the neighborhood fix-it guy. He would help a lot of the single moms with plumbing and electrical and any kind of repairs that needed to be done. They, they chose to stay. They chose to stay. And they would tell these kids about Jesus and they would sometimes carry them or take them to church with them and they, they just stayed there and loved on these kids. Several years later, their health deteriorated and they had to move finally out of their house into a retirement home and then to a nursing home. And about a year later, Ralph passed away. It was that night at the, the funeral home when the visitation was taking place. They were... They were in that church that had moved from that neighborhood to a nicer neighborhood. And, and there wasn't a lot of people there, just the family and the grandkids and, and a few people from church that knew them well. And, and they were there talking about Ralph and, and, and supporting Imogene when, when a young black man walked in the back of the church and started down the aisle. He, he looked just a little bit rough. He had a, had a hoodie on and the hood was pulled up. And, and even though they tried not to, everyone turned and looked at him. They looked away, but you just couldn't help it. He just was so out of place. He got about halfway down the aisle, and Imogene looked up, and she saw him. And her eyes lit up with recognition, and she 
took a couple steps with their arms out, and he took the last couple steps with his arms out, and they embraced one another. They hugged for the longest time, tears streaming down her eyes or her cheeks and tears streaming down his cheeks. When finally the, the embrace was over, he looked at, at her children and said, I'm, I'm from the neighborhood. I'm from the neighborhood. I, I used to sit on your mom and dad's porch and eat cookies and drink lemonade. When I was little, when everyone else told me that I wouldn't amount to anything, when everyone else told me, my, my family, my neighborhood, even, even my school told me that I would never amount to anything, he, he looked at their kids and said, your mom and your dad told me that God loved me. And they told me that they loved me. He said, I never, never, ever forgot how kind, how kind they were. Love, love is kind. Would you bow with me? Father, give us insight in how that looks for us. Give us uh, open eyes so we can plan so we can choose, we can pick, and we can put it into practice. Ways to be kind. Father, sometimes that's going to be tough. Even in our families, even in the church, and Father, certainly in the world, uh, there's times it's going, to be, it's going to be darn near impossible. Father, give us, give us agape love. Let it be shown through our kindness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?